Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 138. Chapter 7. As the Hindu gods are immortal only in a very particular sense, for they are born and they die, they experience most of the great human dilemmas, and often seem to differ from mortals in a few trivial details, and from demons even less. Yet they are regarded by the Hindus as a class of beings by definition totally different from any other. They are symbols in a way that no human being, however archetypal, his life story can ever be. They are actors playing parts that are real only for us. They are masks behind which we see our own faces. Wendy, Doniger, O'Flattery, Introduction, Hindu Myths, Penguin Books, 1975. Shadow had been walking south, or what he hoped was more or less south, for several hours, heading along a narrow and unmarked road through the woods somewhere in, he imagined, southern Wisconsin. Several jeeps came down the road toward him at one point, headlights blazing, and he ducked well back into the trees until they had passed. The early morning mist hung at waist level. The cars were black. When thirty minutes later he heard the noise of distant helicopters coming from the west, he struck out away from the timber trail and into the woods. There were two helicopters, and he lay, crouched in a hollow beneath a fallen tree, and listened to them pass over. As they moved away, he looked out and looked up for one hasty glance at the gray winter sky. He was satisfied to observe that the helicopters were painted a matte black. He waited beneath the tree until the noise of the helicopters was completely gone. And that's our page. So chapter 7 begins, and in this quote is the word I was looking for, uh, what, a week, two weeks ago? Several weeks ago? I don't remember, but... um. When I was discussing how Anansi and the animals he interacts with, especially the capital M monkey and capital T tiger, are the idealized versions of the animals that exist in our world. Archetypal. And if someone already pointed this out on Twitter, I don't think they did, but if you did, thank you. And thank you to this quote, especially for providing me with a word I just simply could not come up with in my brain. An archetype is a typical example of a person or a thing or otherwise an original form from which all other imitations spawn. The quintessential blank, or more broadly, a prototype, though in my mind a prototype is the penultimate design, not the final one, but eh, I don't know definitions, clearly. Anyhow, the quote from a book of 70s Hindu myths is important because, once again, it's taking us back around to the themes of the novel and Neil's work in general. In Neil's work, the gods and other similar creatures like the Endless are real because humanity on some basic level believes in them and knows that they exist. Sometimes it's more overt knowledge that starts with dreams, then becomes faith and worship, but we're led to believe by the novel that the gods in America, and presumably other parts of the world and even the universe, are transmitted from books and stories into the minds of their believers, and are then made manifest as these believers travel. Thus, gods and goddesses are reflections of their believers, which would suggest a certain lack of free will that humans were supposedly endowed with by their creator or creators, the quote states, they are the masks behind which we see our own faces, and that's much better than the entire previous two minutes. I just vomited it up with my words. So thank you, Wendy Doniger O'Flattery, for saying it much better than I could. Also of note, some of Wednesday's names translate into either hooded one or masked one, so he too is a mask for the people who believed in him. It also means that he's duplicitous, two-faced, and that's also something else we want to remember as we read along. But beyond my endless squawking about the quote that heads the page, there's not a ton that happens on the story proper. 
Shadow ducks into the woods to avoid some black cars, no doubt similar to the one that passed him and he was dragged into outside of the restaurant. He also hides a bit further back into the woods to duck a number of black helicopters that fly overhead, which are also, no doubt, searching for Shadow. Though much later on, I think I mentioned it yesterday, a couple days ago, much later on we learn that Shadow would have been allowed to escape a bit further up on the train's route. So I guess maybe they're just keeping up appearances at this point. They're they're not... I mean, I guess if you find them, then you can bring him back, and then he can be allowed to escape. I just feel like your 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 plan's already fucked at this point because you didn't plan for a undead revenant Laura. But hey, I guess that's fine. The sky is described as gray on the page again. No additional modifiers in this case. So let's just keep an eye on the color of the sky in the book. I know the storm has passed for the time being, but. I think in about a week or so, we're going to get another character talking about the storm coming. And so I tend to presume that the sky is going to be a focal point for a while. But I guess we can keep an eye on it and see how right or maybe even wrong I am. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash worldbeyondpodcast. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.